This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. You all know that we've been on a fitness journey since COVID, and it's been a rocky journey for sure. Whether it's new workout equipment and routines or nutrition groups, it has been a lot, a lot of work. And one thing that we've found that isn't a lot of work is Athletic Greens. As you all know, I've been struggling with gut health, and both Ashley and our immune system has been way down. Plus, I have been so low energy. But then I tried Athletic Greens, and I've been feeling so much better. And you all know I can't stand the taste of things that are too healthy. That's way more of a carry thing. But Athletic greens doesn't taste like you just ate your entire lawn. It has this slightly tropical flavor, kind of like you're having a beverage on vacation. And it's chock full of 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens. This special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, focus, and aging. Oh, love that. We all know the most important thing is what you put into your body. Athletic Greens is a small micro habit that has big benefits. It's the one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. It's the easiest and most convenient way to start your day healthy. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, or if you're like Carrie, a week-long vegan, dairy-free. <laughs> it was Monday through Friday, and it lasted a couple of months, okay? Or whatever. It has no GMOs, only one gram of sugar, and has no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still managing to taste good. Plus, it has over 7,000 five-star reviews, and you know how I like to do my research. I love a good five-star review. Also, for every purchase, Athletic Greens donates to organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry here in the United States. They've already donated over 1.2 million meals to kids in 2020 alone. Love. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million supplements and pills to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hey everybody. Hi friends. Happy back to school. Happy back to school. Or at least anticipating back to school. Or some of you probably already did back to school. I don't know. It's all over the place. Happy whatever you're celebrating. We've got a great show today. It's the most special time of year. Back to school. It's the most special time of the year. It doesn't necessarily feel like magic like Christmas from a Jew. But (laughs) you will have some time to yourself again. So first up, we are examining how this year and the couple before are different from ever before. And then we are talking about the back-to-school shopping of our childhoods. Oh, I can smell. I can I know. smell that smell already. With a new segment called Back in Our Day. And as always, we have our hashtag swag bag. And up next, take it away, child. The tits and the sits. 
Okay, so my tits are, I was upstate for my mom's birthday, which was really, really nice. My mom was like, I just want you to wallpaper my office. So I got to do the most Virgo craft DIY. It really was just so you. Nothing is more meticulous than wallpaper. And I had never done it before. And I was just living my best life. Was it peel and stick? It was peel and stick. It is easier than I thought it would be, but it's still difficult. Again, Mm. have never wallpapered. Anyway, while I was there, I didn't take into account that my period was coming. So I got my period there. I basically had to free bleed into washcloths. Speaking of back in my day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'll explain why I had to free bleed. Some of you might be saying, doesn't your dad own a store that is right across the street from your parents' house? And the answer is yes. And they do have tampons. However, I got a cold like two or three weeks ago. This cold has not gone away. And I am very susceptible to really bad ear infections, the kind that could potentially burst your eardrums like a child. So I'm on antibiotics. This is TMI for anyone who is not a menstruator that may be listening. (laughs) But you know that feeling when you put a tampon in and it just kind of hurts and feels uncomfortable. And then you add in that you're on amoxicillin. You're fighting getting a yeast infection with all of your might. So I had that thing in there for like 10 minutes and was like, no. I hate that feeling. This is going to make everything worse. So I free bled into a washcloth. And I have to tell you, the freedom. Tampons don't feel good since I had a baby. Agreed. They don't feel good, but I do have them. When I was a teenager, I wore essentially Depends because I would bleed so much. It would go all over my underwear really, really bad. And now I bleed heavily maybe two days and then I'm done after four days and I can get away with panty liners for a lot of it. This was just, my Lord, it felt so primitive and so like back in my day, but really what a freeing feeling it was. So good I had to talk about it. Evidently. I don't know why. I was just like, I'm not wasting anything. Nothing's going into the landfill. You know, I've tried Diva Cups. I've tried, you know, that one line at Target where they're like, every time you buy these tampons and pads, it gives to a girl somewhere else who needs tampons and pads. Well, I saw a TikTok the other day that's like, these are actually horrible for you. They have some bad chemical in them. So it was just like, oh, I'm doing this thing naturally that I can't fight. It's going to happen no matter what. But it also isn't uncomfortable. Guys, try bleeding into a washcloth. Try it. Do it. And email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Tell us about your free bleed. And also, if you think that's so weird and so gross and you never want to do it, that's fine. You could tell me that too. I've never been one to be like, how dare you tell me I'm gross? I am gross. I know I'm gross. It's cool. Carrie, what are your tits and shits? I'll start with my shits. My hair is getting weird. The texture, I can't describe it. It reminds me of back in the day when I used to fry my hair with bad hair color, like before I had enough money to go to a colorist and it would get no longer feeling like hair anymore. I'm sure it's hormonal because I had wavy hair until I had my period and then it got curly. And in between the wavy to curly, it got a weird texture. Once it was curly, it was fine. And I think it's a mixture of a lot of my hair being gray now yeah, and that texture being weird. And then the perimenopause stuff, the Jolie shower head has helped for sure, but I'm not a girl that can't have product in her hair. Right. When I get out of the shower and while I'm in the shower with the Jolie product, it feels great, but then I have to put the right product in it or else I look like Rosanna, Rosanna Dana. So I just don't know how to navigate this new texture of my hair. It's like I get one maybe somewhat good hair day and then it's not good anymore. And I'm used to having my hair down to a science where I can get three to four non-wash days and it still kind of look good. I was contemplating it cutting off again, but I'm just like, I don't think that's going to help because I think it's just all this hormonal stuff I have going on. And the grays, it's just, I don't know my hair. I feel like I'm dating a new person. Firstly, I sympathize. I hate that feeling. 
like when I lived in LA, my skin lost its goddamn mind. Mm-hmm. And I've never really been somebody with bad skin, even in high school. That dry air, man. And that really dirty, polluted air. Yeah. It was just like trying out a zillion different yep. things to see what would work. And it took me probably a year and a half. Well, that's me on this journey. I'm just yeah. like, do I blow dry it in the meantime? I know that for curly hair, that's not really the answer. I was like, do I spend money on a Dyson Airwrap? I don't know. It's just a weird thing of feeling like I don't know myself. Yeah. And I'm 44 years, I've gotten to know myself. So the only time that's ever happened is back in the day when I used to try to dye my hair myself. It sometimes would freak out and then it wouldn't be the texture of hair anymore and I would have to like figure out what to do. That's the only way that I can kind of describe the feeling for those of you out there. I get it. It'll take a little time, but you will figure it out and it will normalize. It's frustrating, man. I know. Anytime your body goes through one of these changes, it's like, God damn it. I just got used to this. Right. It's like when you used to be able to lose weight easily and now you can't. Right. I'm not jealous. No. My tits are. I went viral on TikTok. Who are you, me? (laughs) And it's still going viral. I posted a video. Again, we don't really know how anything on TikTok works. So we're just throwing stuff up against a wall and seeing if it sticks. I picked a Miley Cyrus song because my daughter's been singing it all the time. It seemed appropriate. There was a ginormous slip and slide. That thing was huge. And then I captioned it with this overweight mom of 44, whatever. We're having a good time. I don't know what it was. People kept commenting, you're not overweight. Listen, it wasn't a fat shaming to myself. It was just my doctor says I'm overweight. I was posting it mostly as like, well, who cares? Because the kid is going to remember the memory, not the fact that I felt overweight. So anyway, I went viral and I now experienced what you experienced, which is just this checking back and being like, what? And then it's like, I don't really care. But also I keep checking back and just looking at the numbers, just jumping. I had it up for four hours and it already had 20.5K and now it's up to like 49 and it's been not even 48 hours. And you did it without getting any death threats like I did. They did take it down. Somebody reported it saying that it was inappropriate conduct with a child. And I was like, me and my child are in bathing suits. We're not naked. She's my child. I'm not even freaking holding her. Right. Nothing is happening. We're on a slip and slide. I contested it. And obviously they put it back right away. But I was like, what? She's my child. TikTok is so strange with the things that they allow and the things they try to take down. I tried to post one once. Remember that trend that was like, you as a city, you as a drink, you as a plant. So for plant, I put a marijuana plant, an actual plant, not the bud. Not like actual wheat, just the plant. And they wouldn't let me post it. And I contested it. They would not let me post it. And then there's Bebop and Beepoop and whatever the hell their name is. And the Patriots who were talking about shooting people and all kinds of other shit. And that's all okay. But you and your daughter on a slip and slide in very appropriate bathing suits. Full one piece. Right. We can see poor Anne Heche's naked, fired up body on TikTok. I did not see that, thankfully. But we can't see me and my daughter enjoying a day on the slip and slide it's insane so when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So for our first segment today, we thought we would tackle how to prepare for back to school in 2022. Look, we are not alarmists, but this year's back to school preparation is feeling a little scary. I don't know how many of you out there work from home. I don't know how many of you enjoy freedom. I don't know how many of you enjoy being able to take a shit whenever you want during the day, but there are a few scary things going on in the world. And although we don't want to harp on that and we don't want to cause anybody anxiety, we ourselves want to know how to prepare our children to head back to class when there's monkeypox, school shootings, and of course, our dear old friend, COVID. Look, we're not scientists. We are not experts of any kind. Lee is a chemist. Oh, that's right. Lee is a chemist. And Matt is an aerosexual. We do our research. There are articles from reputable sources throughout this. They will be linked in our show notes. So with monkeypox, surprisingly, there's not a whole lot about how schools are preparing, except when it comes to colleges. I'm going to read this one part that came from Forbes. Dr. Ina Park, a professor at the University of California, San Francisco School of Medicine, told Forbes that while monkeypox, quote, does pose a risk to students, end quote, the risk is different from that posed by COVID-19, and there is not a concern about catching the virus through everyday activity or passing someone in a corridor. The main issue with a college is that students are living together in close quarters and gather to socialize and make an out sex dry humping. Uh Uh-huh. So there's close contact in those situations like kissing, skin-to-skin contact. It could be transmitted additionally through sharing clothing or sleeping in someone's bed. Before we get into what the American Academy of Pediatrics says, I want you guys to know that I took Sebastian to his five-year checkup this morning, and I did ask our pediatrician, who I really, really like, I really trust. I feel like With COVID, they took everything seriously, but very realistically, very scientifically. I said, is there anything I should be worried about for back to school? She said, I don't think your son is going to be having very close skin-to-skin contact with a bunch of people, is he? And I said, no. And she goes, then he's going to be okay. I do think, because monkeypox is still kind of, I want to say it's new, but it's not. It had existed in Africa for quite some time, so it has been studied. My biggest concern personally, and I don't know if this is based in logic or just my own fear, is sitting on a toilet seat. Otherwise, it seems like our kids are pretty good. Do you want to walk people through what the American Academy of Pediatrics is saying, Carrie? Sure. They're saying that the risk of children getting infected with monkeypox is super low, under 0.1% of all cases. Amazing. And children and adolescents are more likely to be exposed to monkeypox if they have recently traveled somewhere where there's a higher rate of it. So those hotspot areas. Some children have a little bit of an increased risk. Infants, young children under eight, children with eczema, or other kind of skin conditions that are prone to having, I hate to say skin lesions, but issues with skin and other immunocompromising conditions may be at an increased risk of severe disease when they contract it. Just real quick, the symptoms of monkeypox in children is rash. It looks similar to a lot of other rashes that kids have because kids are always getting rashes, but it's got a bubbly quality to it. Yeah, like hand, foot, and mouth. Yeah, so it's like a herpes blister almost. It's got that weird blistery look to it. Other symptoms include fever, lymphedophy, 
I guess that's like swollen lymph nodes. Yeah. Fatigue, headache, those symptoms are not always present. And then, as we said before, monkeypox can spread through close personal and often skin-to-skin contact. Like fluids, fluid-wise, and you could touch objects. We talked about that before. Respiratory secretions, which is a disgusting word. The lesions or the rashes remain contagious until the scabs fall off. If you suspect that your child may have monkeypox because you're seeing any kind of weird rash, definitely take them to their doctor. There is no way to test before the sores form. So you also want to make sure that if you're caring for a child who has monkeypox, obviously they're not going to school. They should cover their skin lesions. Some things will be easy like a long sleeve shirt and long sleeve pants on your face. Maybe put a gauze pad with some medical tape over it. You just want to cover it. And you want to make sure they're wearing a mask when they're around somebody else like you. You're wearing a mask, washing hands constantly, stuff like that. I told you guys I went away and because I'm not used to being out in public, I was so nervous. And really, it's not looking like there's a whole lot to be worried about. Just in general, we all just need to be washing our hands, wear your mask when you can, hand sanitizer, the usual thing. Let's move on to COVID because COVID continues to be an issue. Yeah. And as you can see, we're trying not to dwell. We just want to give you a quickie thing. If you want to read more, again, the links are in our show notes. COVID, they have relaxed the guidelines and now kids under five can be vaccinated. My son's fully vaccinated. I know Luna at least has one shot. Yeah, she's halfway there. I'm sure she'll have the rest before she goes to school. I don't know if I can speak for you, Carrie, but my fear of fashion and COVID and the fact that we've had it is already lessened. Essentially, what the CDC is encouraging everyone to do is to continue promoting the importance of being up to date with your vaccine, at home testing if you suspect anything, wearing your mask, cleaning your hands, the usual. Quick guidance changes. They recommend that instead of quarantining, if you were exposed to COVID-19, you should wear a high quality mask for 10 days and get tested. I assume that means not an at-home test on day five. Regardless of your vaccination status, you should isolate from others when you have COVID-19. You should also isolate if you're sick and suspect that it may be COVID-19, but don't have test results yet. If you're positive, you follow the CDC full isolation recommendations. If you're negative, you can end your isolation. So if If you test positive for COVID-19, you have to stay at home for at least five days, isolate from others in your home, which is hard when you have kids. Mm -hmm. We learned that the hard way because all of us got it because it was almost impossible. After five days, if you are fever-free for 24 hours without using medication and your symptoms seem to be improving, or if you've never had symptoms, you may end your isolation after day five. Regardless of when you end isolation, you should avoid being around people who are more likely to get very sick from COVID-19, at least until day 11. You should wear a high-quality mask all the way through till day 10. So let's move on to what is arguably the scariest of them all and get this over with. And that is school shootings. This one we used in New York Times article. I think this may be actually the same one that we have referenced before. Mm-hmm. It's basically how to talk to your kids about school shootings. I wanted to talk about this because we had posted on our Instagram feed on Momtrage a video of a mom preparing her child who is definitely like Sebastian and Luna's age. He had a bulletproof, she said bulletproof backpack. I assume that meant insert, which I'm ordering one myself. There are these little inserts you put into their backpack, and that way they can have some kind of shield or protection. I can't believe we're here at this point. I know. I felt really weird posting that video on our feed. It felt worse than looking at Anne Heche's burnt body for me, but really it 
it is and it isn't. It's sad that we're here, but also the legislation is not where we need it to be. So we have to take matters into our own hands. And for me, the biggest fear has been my son doesn't even really know this is an issue. So how do I prepare him for something that he's not anxious about yet? Not even a concept. Yeah. So if you're looking for bulletproof backpack inserts, just Google backpack bulletproof insert. There are about $150. There's one brand is called Tuffy Packs. They have different sizes. I personally think it's probably the best $150 you're going to want to spend. And you're going to want to watch the video on our Instagram feed from the Walton Family One on TikTok. And it's just basically, if the police are asking you to come out, what do you do? And the little boy says, I tell them I'm in here. And she goes, no, you stay quiet. You do not say anything. And she's telling him, you just run away. So watch that. It may give you some tips. But for preschoolers and early elementary schoolers. Basically, when your kid is that young, the real question is, do you even talk to them about it? Most of that answer comes down to whether you think they are going to hear about it from somewhere else, like a classmate or sibling or on the news. And they also argue that your personal values are going to come into play. This says, quote, some parents believe that even young children should know what is happening in the world, which has merits. This is according to Stephen Myers, a professor of psychology at Roosevelt University in Illinois. Other parents will want to shield their children as long as they can, and there's merit to that approach as well. So if you decide to discuss it with your preschooler or kindergartner, your primary goals are offer the most basic, simple information and give ample reassurance that adults are there for support and protection. So Dr. David Schoenfeld, who's the director of the National Center for School Crisis and Bereavement, and a clinician who has spent years working directly with communities in the wake of mass shootings. He suggests that parents say something like this. I want to let you know that in a school that is hours away from us, there was a person who shot some children and adults and a lot of people are sad. Noting where the school is can help provide some basic context about how the shooting affects them and then help children name their emotions. So for example, Dr. Myers says a four-year-old might say something like, I feel bad. So help children unpack that feeling. Does bad mean sad, angry, frightened? Learning how to label big feelings is a bedrock emotional skill that develops with age and practice. So if you're going to take this approach, I think personally, it's best compounded with what the woman tells her son in that TikTok video. For me, that's the reason I would tell my son about this is to tell him when they say you don't need your backpack, say, yes, I do. And you grab your backpack and you put it in front of you because it has the bulletproof insert in it. And you hide in a corner and you take it with you because it will protect you. I don't know that I would have that talk if I wasn't trying to actively give him these skills. I'm sorry that we're doing this to you guys, but we assume that you need this information as much as we do. You know, I wonder what the old nuclear war drills. Like the 50s and stuff? Yeah. I wonder, speaking to people who had kids then, if any of them were emotionally intelligent, to have the conversation. I just am curious how those kids were affected by those drills emotionally. This wasn't an era where people talked about that kind of stuff, but it just would be interesting. What's the lesser of the two evils? Is it your kid living beautiful ignorance? Ignorance is bliss and not knowing that this is a possibility and hopefully never having to deal with that? Your kids are never going to live in ignorant bliss forever. Forever. Because no. they're very smart and they hear things. But also kids so. talk about everything. They talk about everything. If they don't hear it from you, there's a good chance they're going to hear it from their classmates. Okay, so older kids, like elementary school older. So start by asking already if they know about anything. Do they know about any events? Just 
knowing that when you speak with them, they may have already heard about this and you want to get the information that they know, obviously dispel any things that are not true and see where they're at. And then telling them the facts of the case in a super calm, informational way and not oversharing details that are not necessary. That seems to be the common thread in all crisis events with children. Make sure to ask what questions they have. If any, they don't have any, that's okay. The most common reaction is no answer. They're probably processing a lot. Simply reassure your child that you are available if and when they have questions or anything else they want to talk about down the road. If the child does ask questions, be careful not to provide too much detail all at once. If they ask rapid questions, you gear it and slow it down. Oftentimes, kids don't want as much information as they're asking for, so you just have to be smart and give them small pieces, even if they're seeming to ask a lot of questions. If you don't know an answer or you really don't want to answer it right then, just say you want more time to think about it and you'll get back to them. Keep in mind that children of all ages, especially elementary school age, are very inwardly focusing in their development, so they may immediately jump to how the news applies very specifically to themselves. And then you can always reflect back and say, hey, so let's talk about your school. What are some safety measures and precautions they have your school? And then reassuring them, of course, that these events are rare. They're really bad, but they're, they are rare. Okay, tweens. So if you have an adolescent, it's pretty safe to assume they have already heard the news or are going to at any moment. You want to start with questions about what they know and how they feel. And your goal is really to be open about what child says, not about fixing anything. I feel like that's a huge tip because that's my default is how do I fix this? I mean, we can't fix it. You can't. This is just what happens. So you really want want to listen to their account of the situation, be very judicious as to when you interrupt them and focus on feelings and then move into correcting misperceptions and providing reassurance. The goal for all parents is to essentially drain the well of emotions by virtue of their sensitive listening. That's what Dr. Meyer said. Keep in mind that all of the emotional confusion of adolescence can also rear its head and your tween may need some additional reassurance. Feelings are meant to be felt. They're testing the in a lot of ways. Does crying make you a baby or is it crying a normal reaction when the world is scary and hard? And it is. And that's okay. And and it's okay for them to have those feelings. So they might want to lean on you emotionally, but they may feel very conflicted about it. So just reassure your child that it's okay to draw support from others in very scary times and times of tragedy. And that doing so doesn't mean that they're sacrificing this budding independence that they have. Man, it's just really hit me this week. Being a parent is so hard. Yeah. And all consuming in so many different ways. I think that's why I'm crying is lately I've been feeling really overwhelmed as a parent in trying to unpack all the my fears and her fears. And it's just such a complicated, not for the week. It really isn't. It just is very hard. Matt and I often talk about how growing up in the 2000s, the late 90s, early 2000s, being tweens and teens in that time was such a time of blissful ignorance. Our kids aren't getting that. We often say we wish we could give that to Sebastian. And unfortunately, we can't. And none of us can. And it really is hard as a parent to not only deal with things as a mother, like the division of labor, domestic labor, very Evrodsky beliefs, or not having time to care for yourself. Being a parent these days isn't just that anymore. You know, that really lame quote where it's like your heart walking around outside of your body. It's that. It is this person that you care so, so, so much about that you wonder, hey, I screamed at them for throwing food earlier today. Are they 
going to be in therapy 20 years from now harping on that one moment. It's not just that anymore. It's are they safe at school? Are one of these fucking pandemics going to get it's it's so much. It's so much. And I think collectively we're all just really feeling the weight of all of it. I feel you. It has been a very difficult two years. I also just sometimes can't believe that I even had a kid. Same. I'm just like, I did this. I know. Should I have? I don't regret it. But oh God, emotionally, it's just so much. And it's not even just on us. There are times where I'm like, did I do the right thing to this poor person who didn't ask to come into the world during all this hardship? And I often do think about that. I I don't have the answer. Well, it's too late now. (laughs) Ain't no turning back, bitch. All right, let's get through this because this is heavy. Teens. Same advice holds. Lead with questions. Focus on active listening. But with these older children, you can be more forthright with your own emotional response to the news. You can be angry. We can be disgusted. We can be upset. You can be tearful. There's nothing wrong with showing emotions to your kid. Ashley and I have talked about that a lot. Mm-hmm. But you want to model positive ways of coping with the emotions. It's not about not showing your kid that you're upset or angry. It's that you can do all of these things and be angry. Teenagers might welcome an opportunity to discuss their feelings with yours. Others might not want to talk about them at all. Your goal is to be respectful while not meeting avoidance with more avoidance. If they shy away from the conversation, let them know that you're around whenever they want to talk. Dr. Gold says asking outright how your teenager would prefer for you to check in. Would tomorrow be okay? What's a way you could ask that would not be intrusive or annoying? So you can give them ownership of their own feelings and their own processing. For teenagers in particular, taking action can be a helpful antidote to feelings of helplessness. So you could talk about volunteering, writing letters, donating money. All things you and I have talked about extensively on the show. And what we've seen from, oh God, these children advocates, the amazing things that have come from these kids. Listen, Gen Z may dress like shit, in my opinion, but they really are changing the world, these kids. Because they're too busy changing the world. Yeah, they, they don't, don't have, have time. time for style, okay? <laughs> right. In general, advocacy is a mature coping mechanism. And then finally, just know your child. Every expert that was interviewed emphasized it's important to tap into what they already know about their children. How do they process stuff? How much access do they have to screens and social media? What is their baseline for emotional well-being? How have you dealt with other emotional aspects of their life? Children who have underlying anxiety or a history of trauma are going to need a whole different set of ways of dealing and monitoring their child. You always want to look for signs like sleep problems, changes in behavior like withdrawing or becoming clingy, physical complaints. Children are sometimes ready to talk about a seemingly unrelated loss after an event like a mass shooting, like the death of a loved one or a pet or something, because their brain is still trying to work all of this out. Yeah. So there are a lot of resources available to parents and families. These will also be in the show notes. The American Academy of Pediatrics, the National Center for School Crisis and Bereavement, both offer guidance for helping children in the aftermath of a shooting. The Child Mind Institute has a non-diagnostic symptom checker that can be useful for parents who have concerns that their child is struggling. You just want to give yourself time and space to process your emotions. It's just as important for you as the parent. I like to use the analogy of the airplane mask. Like, you gotta get your own shit together before you can help anybody else. You wanna make sure that your anxiety does not become your child's anxiety. You and I talk about that. That's something you and I are very concerned about. Yeah, and I feel like I've already fucked him up with things like COVID anxiety. Mm -hmm. While words come out of my mouth to him in those times, I'm like, I'm literally messing him up and I can pinpoint this moment. So there you have it. You should be fully kind of prepared. We have all kinds of resources for you in the show notes. Let's move on to something fun. Yes, let's do it. Back 
in our day. Ah, back in our day, I had to walk 200 miles uphill in the rain during a tsunami to get to school. All right, let's talk about back to school shopping back in our day, which as a child, as a Virgo, as a type A, as somebody who just really gets off on organization and always has, back to school supply shopping was my favorite time of year. Truly, truly, truly. My favorite time of year. Every year after I would go back to school shopping, I would play teacher, a job I never <laughs> had any interest in being, just to play with my school supplies. Yes. So let's just go through some of them. For me, growing up originally in Florida, San Rio was huge. Me too. When I came up here at the end of fifth grade, beginning of sixth grade. You've I had told all, the story before. Have I? <laughs> yes, you have. Everyone was this so is jealous. obviously a touchstone moment for you. Oh my God. It was like I brought something to everyone. I entered them into the world of Sanrio, man. To this day, if I could be like a Hello Kitty adult and not feel weird about myself, I would be. My mom went to visit my uncle in San Francisco and Sanrio was huge over there. And she came back bringing me the best Sanrio stuff. And it was the coolest. I was so cool. Yep. Because it wasn't cheap either. It was kind of like, ooh. You bougie. Ooh, where'd you go? Japan? Like that. Target was another big one. We had one Target in Miami, and it was at the Sawgrass Mills area, which is far from where I live. And I remember that was the first time I fell in love with Target. And I was just like, what is this store? And why is it so far from me? I should have known. Thank God for Target. And now you have their credit card. Debit. I have excellent credit. Thank you so much. I've been working (laughs) on it. Lisa Frank. Can I be honest? I didn't give a shit about any Lisa Frank if it wasn't puppies. Did you? Oh, yeah. I like the dolphins. I like the tigers. P.S. There is an article. I'll try to just attach it for fun for you guys. That is about the demise of Lisa Frank and how much cocaine. I've read the shit out of those. It's amazing. I think it started with the Jezebel article. It involved a lot of cocaine, which makes so much sense, doesn't it? Look again as adults. So much cocaine. So much cocaine. I had my Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper, my Lisa Frank Folders. I was in it for more than just the puppies. I was a real unicorn girl, and she did love like a unicorn riding a gay pride flag with sparkles. Yes. Do you remember gel pens? I only knew about gel pens as an adult. Oh, gel pens were everything. The way they wrote so smooth, the colors. It looked like pastel snot that you could write with. It was incredible. The jelly rolls were really the smooth body one. Oh, I still love a jelly roll. I have a great black one. Erasable pens came into to existence while I was a child. They're the worst kind of pens, but it was a real big deal. They really blew my mind when I found out about them. I was like, holy shit, a pen you can erase? It was a real big deal back in my day. And for me, mechanical pencils were really where it's at. And I was really particular about the kind of mechanical pencils I liked. I collected erasers and eraser tops. I always had like seven different kinds of erasers. I had the gummy kind. I had the white kind. I had the big pink. I had the pencil topper. I was more of a pencil gal. But then in high school, I only really liked to write in blue or purple pen. To this day, I'm not really a black pen kind of lady. I've never understood that because black is obviously the superior penning color. Like, why blue? Why did anybody love a blue pen? My brain works different and I tend to remember things written in blue pen or purple pen rather than black pen. I don't know what it is. There has to be an element of you trained yourself. I don't think so. Aesthetically, I like the look of black. I just remember visually things that are written in blue or purple. I don't know how to explain 
explain that. Interesting. We've already discussed my love of Le Pen. They're not really good for taking notes because it's just too thin. I also was really into those things that you would put on your pen or your pencil so you wouldn't get that weird bump. The grippy thing? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Did you have Mr. Sketch scented markers? Yes. That was a huge flex for us. And I bought them for my daughter too. She doesn't get the concept that you should smell a marker. I bought Sebastian scented Crayola twist-up crayons and he's really into smelling them more than he is using them. Col- yeah, like he would rather just sit there and smell them than actually color with them. Okay, let's talk textbook covers. I always made mine. Yes. With paper bags and then decorated them. 100%. You would take a Sanrio paper bag and make that into a textbook cover. You should be a Sanrio influence. I really should. I'm too old. They don't want me. Also, just a regular craft paper bag and just doodling on it and like designing yes. it yourself. I have like vivid memories of my grandmother teaching me the method yes. to make them and yes. helping me. My grandmother is like a depression era baby. So she's like, why buy something? Use your paper bag. I think I've talked about it on the show. My love of wrapping paper and gifts. Yes. And how I want to have a candy spelling wrapping paper room. This was just an extension of wrapping gifts. It was your starter wrapping paper. Yes, 100%. Also, on that same note, wrap your books in wrapping paper. I always used to get the binder that had the clear plastic on the front and back because I would meticulously make my Monday through Friday school schedule with my classes in what room and everything. And put it in the front. And put it in the front. You know what? I had a stress dream about this like two weeks ago where I was kept missing Spanish class. I have this dream where something spills and then I can't see it and then I'm late for class. And then I told you in my dorky dream, everyone's having fun learning and I'm not. Are we having ESP dreams? I still have that dream because I used to remake and make that schedule over and over again because I would do it in marker and then I would make a mistake and I can't stand in mistakes I'd have to start again and I would use the grid paper so that I could get everything even oh so perfect that's why bullet journaling really appeals to me yes but at the same token too much work I don't have the time to make every week a new calendar from scratch may I be blessed with that kind of time eventually I pray for that kind of time honestly I also was into pencil boxes oh who wasn't I one time got a pencil box from Sanrio from that trip to San Francisco the one with all the buttons it had the buttons and it popped out yeah. oh my god I still think about that. I don't know what happened to it. I think one of my friends stole it from me. It was like a real moment where I was like, we can't be friends anymore. Those were the good old days. There was also this trend when I was little of putting your name on stuff with a dot on the top and the dot on the bottom of your name. The dot on the, I don't understand. The style of writing where it was like a dot, dot, and then you connect it and that would make the K. Oh, yes, I remember. The circles. Yeah, there was this one store in my town where you could get anything with your name on it and we were really into that. But then I've always been like a true crime person. The 80s were full of kids getting kidnapped and stuff like that. Like that was big. So my mom told me that if stuff had my name on it, I had to be careful because then someone could call my name. That's and I true. And I think that they knew me. So then I scratched my name off of all these fancy things that had my name on it. It looked terrible. So my elementary school, I had to wear a uniform. And then when we moved up here, there was no uniform for my school. So at first we were really poor. My mom would take me to Kids R Us and buy a bunch of stuff. I aged out at Kids R Us. I remember getting my first bra, Kids R Us, you know, the over your head kind. My Mine was at Bradley's, which they don't exist anymore. Yeah, I've never even heard of Bradley's. We started going to the Contempo Casual 
outlet in Sea Caucus where I could buy a huge bag for like $150. It was insane. I got so many great things like my Lamb Chops t-shirt. Also, I remember the day that I switched from the wide rule to college ruled paper. It was a huge moment for me. And then the notebooks that you could tear and it would have the things so you could tear it clean. I love that. Love those. One time I got a notebook with the spiral on top like I was a quartz stenographer. Oh. You know, the other big flex were the kids that had those circle stickers. I called them paper assholes. Yeah, to reinforce the hole for your binder on the paper. And I just remember being like, what an invention. Yes. Like, what an invention that stupid circle thing is. And I have to tell you, I still stand by that. Me too. I love them. You can use them for other things too. You know, one other thing I just have to say, whiteout and the whiteout pen. And then they came out with the whiteout strip. Oh, the strip's the best. Oh, God. Because it was always so lumpy. Remember trying to write over lumpy whiteout? Oh. That was the worst. I mostly just used it for painting my fingernails and giving myself a fake French manicure. Or painting on your pencil box and painting your name or something yes. like that. Yeah. That then you'd scratch off when you were afraid you were going to be kidnapped. We should do a meme that's the letter you were talking about with the dots, you know, yeah. for Carrie. That's like, if you remember this, it's time for a retinol. All right, guys, I want to hear from you. What is your back in our day, back to school shopping? I want to hear because we have all different generations and everybody's from a different town and area. So we want to hear from you. You can reach out on our DMs, slide into the DMs, or email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Hashtag swag bag. You know what I was just going to say? What? Ham. Ham is my hashtag swag bag. Like just ham you eat? Yeah, because my daughter is so picky with lunch. I'm running out of lunch ideas for her, but she loves ham. Lee's like, don't give her ham. And I'm like, I got to give her something. So I just roll up some organic ham lunch meat. So my swag bag is ham. As a little kid, because I went to a Jewish day school and it was a kosher school, even though I didn't keep kosher, I refused to eat ham as a kid. I thought it was the devil's meat, even though we didn't have the devil. I really want to call this episode the devil's meat. Back to school, the devil's meat. I just was never into ham. And then I got older and I was like, ham's fucking amazing. What's <laughs> wrong with it? Especially when you buy the really good Black Force ham from Whole Foods. I know. Well, that's what I'm getting her. Oh, that's the good She's shit. She's getting some quality devil's meat. Yeah, that French stuff. And then I put it in her thing, a cornichons. Oh. I do a deconstructed sandwich. I do slices of cheese, cabot, smoky cheddar, some ham, cornichon, and some quinoa garlic rosemary triscuits. Oh. I'm making her a charcuterie up in this piece. That's Charcucci. A choochie choochie. Well, mine is, and I'm currently using it, it's a laptop stand thing for recording shit. Anything where we need to video record so it's up a little bit more. It's not like a funny frame in case we need to start doing video stuff of our recordings. And it folds into a really small size. And it was $15 on Amazon, and it's pretty freaking great. I have it because of the heat. I mean, the heat also is a good reason. I just think it's a great thing to have. So that's it. That's all I got. Have a great week. Bye, guys. Enjoy ham. Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe or follow. We are out here on our own, and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at momtouragepodcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is a Cafe Mom podcast written and produced by Ashley Heron-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at mamadramaband or mamadramaband.com. 
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.